0: 1130 AM, KZOM, the place to be and be seen, presents Radio Free Oleander, hosted by David Heath and D.B. Spitzer. Thank you for joining us again where we talk about pop culture and all kinds of other stuff, a uh, geeky, bent. Hey everyone, it's me, D.B. Spitzer, and this guy over here, D- Dave, Farmer Dave, how's it going? i am well all right all right and i have to say i'm doing pretty well myself because we have a new mixing board i don't know if you can tell i have uh it's since everyone's working from home i've been using an old mixing board and i have finally had a chance to replace it so hopefully the audio quality from home is going to be a little bit better and there's only so much you can do with uh with with uh...
1: this new one can mix cakes
0: and mix drinks <laughs> I wish I wish no, but it uh can make it uh decent enough audio that we can then take it and uh you know fix it with software and as I was saying, there's only so much that you can fix with software, but hey uh Dave, how are you doing? It's been really quiet around town
1: uh yeah i mean, it's i mean we've just been busy you know with all the new baby goats but yeah, yeah it's just sort of the sort of calm you know you don't expect oleander to take a pause take a breath it, it almost seems like you know we haven't had any you know things fall out of the sky no. or you know there's no you know cosmic colors uh, we haven't even had clowns or ghost pirates. It's yeah, it's kind of nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. It 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 has been kind of nice. It's uh been, it's been interesting. It's 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 one of those things. If you've lived here long enough, you just always are waiting for something kind of weird to go on. It's this uh, I don't know, kind of Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, <laughs> or, or or maybe You're it's. FOMO to other shoe to fall, fall but also you kind of want to see where that shoe falls
1: <laughs> it's yeah, like know and, and literally i've been walking downtown and a shoe has fallen from one of the tall buildings and hit me in the head <laughs> well
0: there's only two tall buildings in this town there's the uh oleander building and then there's the uh flat iron building a home a f- former home of the uh oleander lanes bowling alley um but yeah so shoes hit me from both okay (laughs) okay well hey that's 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 the price of uh living in oleander i guess uh occasional shoe um so but if if that's the most interesting thing that's happened it's like this this chunk of clackamas county has been like a ghost town as of late nothing interesting everyone's just been kind of hunkering down um at you least know. ghost towns have ghosts. Yeah, ghost towns have ghosts. Uh we have people who are pretending to be ghosts, it feels like. But yeah, um as as there's not much going on in town, we don't have much to report on in town. Um we do have we do have uh what to report on about next month. Next month in the cemetery we are showing the Star Wars trilogy trilogy i don't know what you would call nine movies but um uh nine tuplet uh, we're gonna be showing all D- star D-B. wars db
1: i'm your farmer
0: <laughs> that is amazing dave that's 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 pretty that's pretty amazing um yeah that was a really good darth vader Uh, yeah no but we're gonna be uh showing star wars at the uh at the the graveyard uh cemetery you can go there you can find a place remember uh six feet apart
1: glorious resurrection glorious resurrection glorious resurrection entrance
0: yes yes and uh if you are if you have to drive out of town to go to a cemetery you're at the wrong cemetery uh we did this three years ago from what i understand when we showed real genius breakfast club in the goonies um i wasn't in town for that but i i hear it went really well um yeah no uh cooper by, used to by, talk by, about by, it by
1: the big statue of Manichrist.
0: yes yes yeah no cooper talked about how it was a huge turnout and uh probably one of the greatest civic engineering projects he had was uh uh an inflatable screen that they put up that anyway uh enough about that we've got some interviews dave dave who who did you interview on uh the farm report recently
1: so we've got actually uh return and a new person Mm -hmm. uh mark allen gunnels who uh gave a or we talked to Way back, and it seems like years ago, but it mm-hmm. was January. Oh yeah, um, and he's he, you know, he writes a lot of different type of uh, fiction, mainly horror, but yeah. different. And he's got a thriller called "Before He Wakes," Ooh. and um, it really it's coming out um, coming out in May, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll put some uh, we'll put some uh, links in the store uh, in the. Uh, in the show notes, but it sounds, you know, going to be a, you know, on the, uh, on the tip of your seat, you know, hair on the back of your neck, uh, just, a really suspenseful
0: read. Sounds good. Sounds really good. I'm excited and about that.
1: And then we have Obadiah Baird, Ooh. Who, who puts out a zine, and we're talking a little bit about the history of zine, but specifically his. Cool. And his, he's coming out with the ninth, and it's the uh, the Audient Void.
0: Oh, very cool. Yeah, I like I, that. I,
1: I accidentally called it the, the the Ambient Void.
0: Yeah, we covered uh, their first issue <laughs> way back when. Uh on People's Guide to the Cthulhu Myth House a, a billion years ago. I reached out, and uh, yeah, I, I can't remember if he reached out to me, or if we knew people in common, but yeah, that seems like a billion years ago. <laughs>
1: yeah, and they've been a little slow in production because you know, cause of COVID, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. so I believe this will be their first, it's, it's, the ninth, uh, it's the ninth
0: issue, but I believe it's the first in a couple months or so. Oh, very cool, very cool, yeah, no, always excited to hear what he has to say, all right, cool, well, uh, and after that we're gonna have d and d on d and d, and we're gonna be talking about hey what what's what's some magical weather that could happen in d and d so I've been enjoying the sunshine out here, and I was like, oh what's uh what what if we were by a uh, a wild magic zone what if what if a storm came brewing up out of uh Some kind of uh, portal from the negative energy plane that crossed over into the prime material plane. Stuff like that. Anyway, uh, we will talk to you after the break and after the interviews. So stay tight. Thank you for listening to KZOM 1130 AM. This is Radio Free Oleander. I am your host, D.B. Spitzer, along with your other host, Farmer Dave so hold on tight, and we'll be with you in a few. See you soon.
1: And just uh, a reminder here uh, in Oleander, over the weekend, Felny Oleander in her art, uh, uh, her art show will be putting on a special program at Art Noir, and it will be entitled Dead People That You Have Never Heard Of, who are much more interesting than you and painted by people that you've never heard of, but you cannot afford. And that will be very interesting if you like that type of thing, and that'll be at Art Noir, our local art gallery. You're listening to The Farmer Dave Show and I'm here on 1130 AM and Radio Free Oleander. And we have are very excited because we have a return guest, someone we haven't spoken to for about three or four months. But uh, Mark Gunner, Mark, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing good. Thank you for having me back. And do I win a prize for being a returning guest?
1: Yes. You next time you come to Oleander, we're going to let you milk the goats. Okay,
2: I'm planning my trip.
1: Okay. well, we can't we can't wait to see you. We'll go get some. Get some fries and burgers at Oblivion's. Um, so so how are you doing in, in the last couple of months?
2: Things are going good. Um, life is starting to return to a semblance of normal. Um, and, you know, writing's going well, which is always good. So I can't so complain. That's
1: great. That's great. And, and you know, I think uh, one of the things that our audience remember the most about you is just how adaptable you were how you had you know short stories and long stories and micro fiction but you got a, a, a another full book coming out right
2: yeah um, May 14th I have a new suspense novel coming out called before he wakes
1: excellent and, and I've been able to see the cover and and read a little bit about it uh, what can you share about your, your new book? I, it's a, um,
2: it's sort of a, it's a, I I don't know if this is a real term or if I just made it up. I call it an obstacle novel. Um, It's about two people who have been kidnapped by this deranged man who's sort of imprisoned them in his basement. He goes out to get supplies, ends up getting into a horrible accident. That leaves them trapped. No one knows where they are, they have no food and water. And that sets off a chain reaction of them trying to overcome a series of obstacles to get free.
1: Um, so, yeah. So so now that you've said it, it is a real term, but my suggestion to you, copyright it really quickly before everybody else starts using it.
3: Okay.
1: Uh, yeah. and, and so it, it, it seems sort of like a a psychological horror uh, novel, correct?
2: Yeah, um, nothing supernatural or anything. It's just sort of a straight suspense horror novel.
1: Which, to be honest, I think all of us after the last year just realized how scary the real world can be. And, you know, I love where I live, but, you know, sometimes driving in mountains, I'd be, you know, if I had an accident here and I went off the road, they couldn't find me for like days. You know, that's kind of a scary thought. There's a lot of scary stuff in the real world. Yeah.
2: And a lot of inspiration from the real world to
1: channel into the fiction. And, and it also sounds, you know, uh, and from what I've seen, I was able to read the, 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 the back. And the, uh, But before he wakes, it sounds like you're 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 sort of suspense a, as as fear making, you know, it's scary because it's suspenseful. Um, what are some of the ways that you, you do that to keep uh, a, a, a thriller like this suspenseful and scary?
2: Well, for me personally, the number one thing I do that I try to do, which is what I like in a book as a reader, is you have to provide characters that the reader is going to get invested in and can relate to, and then you put them in situations where they are in dangerous and potentially deadly scenarios, and that's going to create the suspense because you care about these people and knowing that they could potentially come to harm that's going to create the suspense that's going to create that tension that's going to kind of get you on the edge of your feet um and like i said with this one it's sort of like a i've set up these different obstacles so you know it's just a constant like you know even when they get over one hurdle there's another one coming and it you know i think that can help ratchet up that
1: suspense excellent excellent and obviously, the the making characters that that people care about and you know see a little bit of themselves in it, it, it is a, a a horror staple. But uh, do you find that writing supernatural horror is different than writing thriller horror?
2: I don't know. For me, I try to approach it the same because even in the supernatural horror and maybe even more so in the supernatural horror i feel it is very important to ground it in a reality to make it easier for the people to accept the supernatural turns you take Mm -hmm. so in in both cases i'm trying to create that grounding of reality and make i'm really trying to create authentic characters which doesn't mean perfect saintly characters because who is a perfect saint? So, you know, there are going to be flawed characters, there are going to be characters with um with issues they're working out, but I want it all to read authentic, and that, I think, helps the reader really latch on to them, because it seems true to life.
1: No, absolutely. It's our, sort of, the, the flaws, not only do they make them realistic, they, they also make them interesting, and in some ways, even more relatable.
2: yeah. Because, you know, I think what really gets me as a reader is when I read a book, because I, I know people who say they don't want to read about unlikable characters, but sometimes even unlikable characters have aspects to them that I can relate to, whether I want to admit it or not.
1: No, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think maybe there's a difference between unlikable and unrelatable.
2: Yeah, Exactly.
1: Now, um, what are uh, what are some of your inspirations uh, for this, but f- for all your stories? Um,
2: you know, it can just come from anywhere. Like, so- sometimes I have very specific, like, this is what gave me this idea. Usually it's a confluence of things. Um, but, I mean, sometimes it is so random. Like, this particular novel, Before He Wakes, for no particular reason, I was thinking about the movie Misery. I hadn't watched it recently. I hadn't been talking about it. It just popped into my head, and I specifically remembered a scene when he first realizes that no one knows where he is, and she's got him trapped there. She's going out, and she says to him, you better hope nothing happens to me, because if I die, you die. And just thinking about that scene suddenly gave me that idea of what if you were being held you know, prisoner by someone and something did happen to them? Then you're just completely on your own trying to get free, and just that that random thinking of that movie for no reason. I mean, it kind of came to me all in just a couple of minutes, and I got really excited by the idea. And next thing I knew, it's a whole novel.
1: Sure, and and this sort of twisted way, he's both tormentor, but he's also provider. And it sounds like you're you're bad guy or your antagonist.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's the only <laughs> source they're going to get for food and water. And, um, you know, so him not being there gives them the chance to try to escape. But also there's, you know, that ticking time, that time, because there's only so long they can go without food and water.
1: Yeah, no, that's th- that itself not only sets up that conflict, but that sort of that, that pressure and, and that suspense. So no, ex- excellent, excellent idea there. Um now oh now i I consider you actually a a pretty successful and and prolific writer there uh what would you give maybe some suggestions to to future writers? Well,
2: I mean, take your writing seriously, but also have fun with it um because if you make it into a chore, it's gonna feel like a chore, so I always try to keep it fun and entertaining for me because that makes me want to keep coming back to it. And I also suggest to people, don't beat yourself up. Like if, you know, I try to write every day, but I'm not a writer who sets like, I have to write this many words or this many pages um, because some days maybe it's more of a struggle and I may only get a couple of paragraphs down. But if I start to beat myself up about that, It's going to make it harder for me the next day to come back. So, you know, if I have a day where I just get a couple of paragraphs, I'm like, okay, well, that's a couple of paragraphs I didn't have before. And I start fresh the next day and I might get, you know, three or four pages the next day. So, you know, make it fun. Don't put any unnecessary pressure on you. We all need some pressure to keep us motivated, but you can go overboard with that and it can
1: actually end up stifling. Yeah, that's excellent advice. That's excellent advice. Now, um uh, just uh, when we talked at the the beginning of the, the year, um, you know, was there any things that you know that that maybe you saw or read in the last four months that have really sort of uh excited or you've been excited about or you want to share?
2: Um, I've read some really good stuff lately. Um I read a book called Coyote Songs by um, Gabino Iglesias, which was just phenomenal and powerful. And I definitely recommend that to everyone. Um, I'm a little behind the times in that I just read the novel you by um, Carolyn Kepnes. Mm. Um, But, and I know there's already two more books in that series, but it's also a Netflix series, but that book was excellent. Um, I'm currently reading the novel *Galilee* by Clive Barker. Oh, I bought, yeah, I bought it new in hardcover when it came out in 1998, which means it took me 23 years to get to it. Um, but that's what happens when you have like thousands of books in your house, and it is just—it's reminding me why I love Barker so much. Um I'm kind of trying to think of all because I've read—I've read so much good stuff um, this year. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I, I got a bunch of new bookshelves, so I'm moving a lot of things and stuff out of boxes. I almost yeah. feel like I'm a, a, a book archaeologist digging out books from boxes. You know, like, oh, I remember where or, you know I was living in California when I bought that.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it really is like that. I mean, when I pulled that Barker book off the shelf, like I remember I was in college when I bought that book. Um, and you know, it's so whether now it looks like it's a used book, but I bought it brand new. In mm-hmm. our cover. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I I don't know if I could have appreciated this particular book's complexity as much then as I do now. So maybe I was just waiting on it.
1: Kind of like the fine wine?
2: Yeah. yeah. I had to mature enough to uh, really appreciate it, I think.
1: So is there anything for the rest of the year that you're excited about? Any new releases coming out or anything maybe you've heard about since uh, we spoke last?
2: Let's see. Um i know i think i think next month uh josh mallerman has his uh book goblin coming out it was released Mm. a couple years ago as a very limited edition which i you know was too late to get in on but i i love the way it sounded so it's finally getting a you know a wider mass market release oh Um, good i am very excited about that one i already have it on pre-order um and I don't, I don't think they're going to come out this year. But I know two authors I like, um, Tanana Reevdo and Gabino Iglesias, just announced that they finished the novels they've been working on for a while. Probably won't come out this year, but I know I'm looking forward to both of those. Sure. Um, trying to think, who else? And if if, be. if
1: last year taught us anything, it was patience.
2: Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm more than willing to wait for. For a good book, I, but um, but it's it's particularly been a while since uh, Tanana Redu, uh published anything new. I know she's been working on this particular book for years, so I'm definitely looking forward to that one.
1: Excellent. Now your book comes out May fourteenth, you said. Yes, May fourteenth. Okay, May fourteenth. A couple of weeks. Where can people order them?
2: It's gonna be uh the pre order is not up yet, but it should be up in the next week or two. But it'll be on Amazon. Um, It's from Crystal Lake Publishing, who's published several of my books in the past. Um, Okay, okay. It has a gorgeous cover. Um, But they should be putting it up because we've we've finalized the editing and the cover. So in the next week or two, it's going to be up on Amazon for pre-order. And uh, I'm I'm really excited. That The publisher is really excited, and I know they're really going to be pushing this title. So um, I'm excited for people to read it.
1: Excellent, and, and I've gone to the uh, the Crystal Lake Publishing um, uh, website, and yeah, this, the the book looks beautiful, and uh, you know just the uh, the synopsis, and you know read uh, it does. It looks like it looks like you're gonna have a hit on your hand. Well,
2: I I'm excited when when they get excited. It may, I mean, I'm I you know it's my work. I'm always excited, but I mean when the I get the a publisher who really is enthusiastic about it, then you know. Then, you know, you have a real shot because they're really going to put, you know, some and they they always have the most beautiful covers. I I'm always astonished by the covers they come up with for their books.
1: Yeah, and I will, uh, I will talk to our producer, DB, here. I'll see if we can maybe uh, put some links to the, the cover and to uh, Crystal Lake uh, in, the, in the, the show notes for you.
2: OK, that'd be awesome. Thank
1: you. Well, it has been a pleasure, as always, to to talk to you. Uh, anything else maybe you'd like to share or, uh, before you take off?
2: Well, I just want to you know, say, you know, last year was a rough year for everybody in the world. So I'm hoping good things for all of us as 2021 progresses. And, you know, just go out there, create if you're a creative person, and... If you're just a consumer of art, go consume some great art. It's always important to, to keep our peace of mind.
1: No, absolutely. And sort of, you know, uh, you know, just uh, treat yourself, you know, whether that be music or literature or, you know, visual art, you know. And, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's a great message that, you know, we all deserved it. Uh, you know, even if we don't maybe have a lot of money finding something, then, you know, just stuff. Uh, To to appreciate art. Exactly. (laughs) Well, we are running out of time here on the Farmer Dave Show. Now, our friends of the show, uh, Sven and Sven and Bjork, are going to have their favorite Ludafish recipes. You're not going to want to miss that. (laughs) And once again, you are listening to KZOM. Northern Clackamas County's premier radio station broadcasting out of Canter, Oregon. And this is the Farmer Dave show, and we have uh, a special guest. Um and that is uh, Obadiah Baird. Um going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself if you don't mind.
3: Yeah, um my name is Obadiah Baird. I am among many things the Editor and publisher of the magazine The Audient Void, a journal of weird fiction and dark fantasy. Yeah, and it was sort of uh, told to me at first, and
1: I people describe it a, as a zine. And I am old enough that hmm. just the term zine brought back some really great memories. Um, so let's sort of maybe start off. Let's hear about yours. What is Audient Void about?
3: Yeah. Um, so I kind of go back and forth on whether or not I feel like it should be called a zine or a magazine. My, uh, partner on the project Dan Sauer is a professional graphic designer. So it's not quite the, uh, photocopied zines of my youth. Um, he does all the art and design for it and it's pretty professional looking, but it is also staple bound. Um, and has that kind of zine format. Um, it, um, I publish short fiction and poetry primarily. There's also a recurring um, nonfiction column called uh, called Ye Old Lemurian that's written by my friend David Barker. Um, yeah, and I just picked our, up our ninth issue from the printer today.
1: Congratulations! It almost sounds to me like you've got the best of both worlds. You've got some of that old-fashioned DIY, but you've got you know nice professional graphics, sort of the the best of both worlds.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's if if it was just me doing it, it would look like a train wreck. So I'm very lucky to have uh, have Dan Sauer helping me with it for sure. If
1: if I was your partner, I would have stick figures all over.
3: Yeah. No, that's what it was. That's about my artistic ability, also. Mm-hmm. So, so in case maybe we
1: have some younger people or people just didn't experience the 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 70s, 80s, and early 90s, zines are kind of like what web pages are now, where people would make photostat or Xerox copies of uh, magazine or basically their own magazine. It would cover. Everything I remember, there was a zine back in like the late '80s, was was dedicated to people who honestly believed that Star Trek was real, and that they were accidentally reincarnated as uh, they're supposed to be Klingons, but they were accidentally reincarnated on Earth. To just mm-hmm. some beautiful, just incredible, fierce, you know, independent poetry. Uh, you know the rocker girl movement was all about zines or or, i mean the the riot girl movement you know the zines came out of there um Mm -hmm. do you have a zine background or, or where did you where is your background from on this
3: well so i grew up from a very early age reading uh science fiction and fantasy i got into horror a little later but um but, you know, just picking up paperbacks and bookstores, I wasn't really involved with fandom. I didn't even know that was really a thing. Um, and then in my teenage years, I got really into punk rock. And so my introduction to zines was through the punk scene. Um, scenes like Maximum Rock and Roll, a Comet Bus. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, you know, I'm still into all that stuff, but I got... Uh, interested in horror and um and kind of got back into reading science fiction and i came to learn that these zines that i had been reading you know as far as punk um actually the earliest zines came out of the science fiction out of science fiction fandom going back to you know as early as the 1930s um Ooh, yeah so really uh the audience void is a product of um the sort of um the sort of DIY punk thing where you know you don't really ever let yourself think you can't do something if you want to do it you just do it um and you know and that kind of tradition of science fiction fanzines and really the horror community because it it's Genesis really was I went to the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland for a couple of years and after hanging out with all of these uh, authors and poets and filmmakers and people who were creating things I felt like rather than just being a fan I should try and create something also and become part of you know the actual creative community and so I think it was 2015 or 2016 I just started telling everybody who I knew at who I'd been hanging out with at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival that I was going to start this zine, and they all kind of said, oh, sure. You know, a lot of people say they're going to do stuff. And then I just started emailing them, you know, over the next few weeks and months saying, I'm going to do this. Like, um, send me some poetry, send me a story. And I basically just bugged people into contributing to it. Um, and, you know, here we are five years and nine issues later. Excellent,
1: excellent. I you know, one of the things also I was thinking that you know came out of a, of a, a zine uh, was the old uh, the automaton uh, 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 zine is the origin for uh, Tank Girl.
3: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, there's a lot of stuff that have come out from that, and this was a a great way for people to, especially pre-internet, but even now, this is a great way for people to to share their talents.
3: Mhm. Yeah. I think so much in much the same way that people are kind of coming back to vinyl records. I think like the tangible physical format of a zine is a great way to read. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and heaven knows if there's ever a time that needed that punk ethos,
3: it's now. Absolutely.
1: So what are, what are some things you said poetry, uh, are, and it's uh, dark, uh, dark horror. Uh, and you said you had one particular uh, reoccurring uh, nonfiction yeah. article. Uh, how many pages does your zines normally go?
3: Um, they usually come in. Let's see, this current one is fifty. You know, is right around fifty-three pages. Um, they're usually right around that, a little bit over fifty-ish. Fifty-ish. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically. If you do more pages than that in a, in a staple bound, you know, um, saddle stitch format, it won't lay closed because there's just too many pages. So it kind of naturally, the format naturally limits itself to that length.
1: Okay. Yeah, no. And that's, you know, I, I I had a creative writer and teacher used to call it the mini skirt, skirt rule long enough to cover the subject, but short enough to be interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I, let's say someone listening, though, wanted a copy, especially it's, it's number nine. What how, what would they do to get number nine?
3: So we have a web store. Um, we also have a Facebook page that the web store is linked through. Um, I don't know. It might be easier for me to just give you those links. I don't know if you can put them in the show notes or... Uh, I'll
1: talk to our producer, D.B., yeah, if you can email them to me, I'll I'll, make, I'll get them in the show notes.
3: Cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we have a web store. If you you know if you Google the Audience Void, you can find all this stuff also. Um, our web store, our Facebook page. Um, we don't have our own website because I'm just. I don't know, kind of lazy. Um, and so far, just using social media to promote the project has gotten more than enough attention we've sold out of every issue we've done so
1: i I was going to ask if you had back copies or just grab grab the ones that are coming now because they're going to be gone
3: yeah i still have some copies of issue number eight but everything you know issues one through seven are all sold out um we also did a a standalone chapbook with uh david barker that i still have some copies of that's uh, a chapbook of his short fiction um and we are kind of looking at possibly doing some more projects like that to single author collections and things but yeah but oh, yeah they awesome. they sell out and i basically take the money that we make from each issue and use it to pay for the next one so there's not a lot of uh uh not a lot of money to keep everything in print sure
1: so, and, and, and this definitely sounds like it is it it's a it, you know a, a project of, of love there that it sounds that you know that this is this is something that you're very
3: passionate about Mhm. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean I believe it or not I paid for the first issue with money that I won gambling so yeah it's kind of a kind of a Tom Waitsian thing um and yeah, I've just used uh, used the proceeds from each issue to pay for the next. So far, it's always broken even or better. And uh, and as far as I'm concerned, when you're publishing um, in such a niche way, breaking even is success. Absolutely, absolutely. So is
1: each month sort of is? I mean, they I know they're all sort of dark horror, but do you have themes for each or each uh, issue or? Uh, does it just all parts or gambits of of Dark horror?
3: I don't really do themes because I'm interested in publishing whatever submissions just grab me. I want to pu- I want to always publish the work that I think is the best. And I I personally feel like you kind of put some artificial limitations on that if you set themes or you know demand people write to a certain subject um that said we usually find when we go to put the issue together that there are thematic through lines in the fiction um that you kind that we kind of find once we've picked them out um i don't know maybe it has something to do with the kind of mood i'm in while i'm reading and selecting the work or um maybe it's just a little confirmation bias. Maybe you would always be able to find various sort of like, yeah. like uh, threads if you look hard enough. But, uh, but I do feel like there usually ends up being a sort of cohesiveness to it, uh, even without setting those sort of artificial limitations on it. Awesome. Now,
1: <coughs> oh excuse me now, um, just with, you know, being, you know, publishing a zine, I suspect that, you know, you kind of have your finger on the pulse of of horror and science fiction, dark horror, Um, especially last year was just, I think it's fair to say, it was a pretty rough year on all of us. I think we're just all looking for some escapism this, you know, for 2021 and beyond. Do you have any recommendations of horror or science fiction, Uh, anything, poems, books? Uh, movies that you think that uh, you're excited about to just sort of give us something to escape with.
3: Well, it's interesting because my introduction to this current issue of the Audience Void. One of the things that I talk about is I actually haven't found myself able to read horror for pretty much the last year. Um, there are a few books that I've picked up and started reading, and I just find that you know that 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 sort of a Anticipation and that feeling of dread when I'm dealing with so much uh, stress in my own life uh, just hasn't been working for me. Um, and it actually took me a year, over a year, to put this issue of the magazine out, also because life has just been so crazy for the last year. Um, yeah. So it's really interesting coming back to this work that I selected pre-COVID um this issue i i mean i stand by all, everything in it i think it's excellent work but it also feels a little bit like a time capsule to me of this uh this time before everything fell apart um yeah. but that said you know i i also run a bookstore um as well as publishing this and we have been selling a ton of horror so clearly there are plenty of other people who are um really enjoying the genre right now um for me what i've turned to more is um you know we build ourselves as a journal of weird fiction and dark fantasy and i've turned more to fantasy more to fantastical reading um some of it relatively dark um probably my favorite thing that i read this last year is a book called mythago wood by robert holdstock that um has some pretty dark themes and elements in it, but, um, I think just gave me a little more of the escapism that I was looking for. Um, so I think that's kind of where my reading has been going. And, um, I would say to anybody else who's finding that, you know, the genre of horror is, is maybe a little too intense for them right now, that, that would be kind of what I would recommend looking at because it's, Adjacent enough, it does some of the same things, but with a little bit less, uh, uh, in a little bit of a less stressful way, I guess.
1: Okay, excellent, excellent. Now, um, as, as you know, a a zine publisher, would you have any suggestions for new or maybe not so new writers out there on what they should do or or what's best for them to get published?
3: Hmm. Um... I think, I mean, for starters, just work on your craft. Do a lot of writing. Uh, Do it consistently. Sit and write and, you know, do it every day. But also, um, I'd say be aware of the genre. If you're going to write something that's been done before, make sure you know it's been done before and that you're putting a new spin on it or that you're doing something interesting with it. You know, uh, each issue I get uh, hundreds of submissions, so I've I've been reading a lot of um, horror, and I read a lot of the same things over and over and over again. And um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to stand out and get published if you're doing something that's already been done. Um, and and you aren't working to make it original. So I think that's my main piece of advice. Okay. Excellent. And, and you won't even know that you're doing that if you haven't read other writers, if you haven't put in the time reading the genre as well.
1: Yeah. I, I, that's one thing I've always been told is if you want to be a good writer, you got to be a good reader.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, we are about to be run out of the studio by the Oleander Honeybee Club And believe me, you do not want to get people mad if you want, you don't want the honeybee club mad at you. But I got one other question. I just love to ask this to people. Um, If you could be in any project, if you, um, you know, money was an example, copyright was an example. Somebody just came to you and said, hey, you're now in charge of this project, any media. What's your dream project?
3: Oh, that is so easy to answer. I've been saying for a long time now. I really want to edit a Junji Ito tribute anthology. Um, oh. So a collection of original horror stories written, um, kind of in the style or in tribute to Junji Ito's horror manga. Oh wow, that would be that would be amazing, and and
1: mm. I I would be the first to sign up for that. So. To, to to uh to read that so,
3: so yeah I'm that's hoping it that's, comes that, true yeah that's my dream project right there
1: okay and so I will we will check with uh, our producer DB but we'll make sure that you get the uh the links in uh in our uh, page here uh, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we go
3: um I guess I just say if you want to uh, keep tabs on what's happening with the audience void uh follow our Facebook page. Yep. Excellent
1: Alright, well thank you very much uh, And again, this
3: has been uh,
1: Obadiah Baird And this is Farmer Dave And I am being Shoved out of my chair By three old ladies Wearing beekeeping costumes So we're going to turn the radio over to them and
0: goats. Well,
1: there, I, there was this weird weather weather pattern mm-hmm. uh, when I lived in California, but it's also here, much more common, where there'll be some place raining a couple miles away, mm-hmm. and you can look straight up and you can see blue sky, but there's literally, you know, maybe a hundred mile an hour winds between you and the clouds. So the storm is, you know, a couple of miles off, mm-hmm. but then the weather, rain will come down, and literally out of uh, a blue sky. I mean, I, we, we call it liquid sunshine here. Uh-huh. It, when I was a, a sophomore uh, in high school, uh, this we lived by an airport and had a lot of these sort of weather conditions. Mm-hmm. And, and this, um, my, of a girl that I knew and her boyfriend said. That's it. We are just going to go, and we're going to cover the vice pre- principal's car with shaving cream. And they just started it, and one of those bizarre weather patterns came down, and it was blue sky, and it just opened up and completely soaked them and washed all that <laughs> that um, uh, shaving cream right off. And it, you know, lasted like ninety seconds but as soon as they finished and they they came back and they were looking like you know drowned cats.
0: Oh wow. So what if what if because of magical reasons something started fluffing down out of the sky, something uh not I don't know, not necessarily with the same chemical makeup as shaving cream, but maybe the same consistency, some sort of like uh magically slightly magically naturally occurring like sky fluff
1: or foam yeah
0: I mean that, that that would uh that would be interesting to happen while like a, a siege was going on or or like some kind of weird uh, I don't know if you're having an adventure in like a land that's maybe a little bit extra more magical than the magical land that you're already dealing with. I don't know. As I said, like a, a wild magic zone or something like that. Or like a... Yeah. Uh... Oh, go
1: sort for it. Sort of... Uh, and, and you know who Charles Ford is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Charles Fort, for those who are listening, he was... Uh, he was a documentarian, or he, he wrote down events and to be honest, he didn't do a lot to verify these stuff. Mm-hmm. But he wrote just weird things that seemed to be true that had no scientific exploration. And the ultimate the event is the reign of frogs. Oh, yeah. And there seems to be some actual cases where, you know, tornadoes have hit swamps or something and thrown frogs into completely clear sky. I don't know if it's real, but, you know, there's a suit. if it is happening, there's a sort of pseudo-scientific reason. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they've ever documented any that have actually happened. But, you know, if you got a a magic land, you know, you can have frogs raining down for all sorts of reasons.
0: Ooh, yeah. That's cool. That's Uh, cool.
1: Same thing with fish. There's several cases that, again, stories, but they're passed down you know, in Germany and Europe, of of fish falling from the sky. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've i I've, I've heard about those. I've I've uh, read about those in uh, various books about uh, crypto weather, or I mean, uh, strange happenings in general. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but
1: you you want You want to creep out a party?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What if they're not frogs? What if they're giant spiders?
0: Ooh, 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 ooh. Gross. And and not
1: in this case. And, 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 you know, there are such things as, you know, balloon parachuting spiders that apparently make, you know, silk wind to catch. But what if they're going through, like, a a dimension, and all of a sudden it's like paratroopers, but it's spiders?
0: Or what if they're just camping in a, I don't know, uh, like something like the Redwoods? where a spider population lives and maybe it's like kind of like the hundred year 500 year like maybe the last time this was recorded was like some high elves wrote about this and you know you know people you know humans just haven't lived in this area so they don't know about it and they don't know what to look out for but it's some sort of like it's a natural event that happens you know every half millennia and it, it Cannibal would
1: be, cicadas.
0: I, I was going to say something along the lines of, like, when, like, all the cicadas come out, but it's, like, maybe medium-sized spiders. Like, not, like, medium-sized as in, like, oh, you know, half the size of your hand, but, like, sp- like spiders the size of people. Or maybe even, like, small-sized spiders, like spiders the size of a dog uh have like kind of like a massive like breeding or uh dying off event or some sort of like natural i don't know anything about spider mating habits um but i don't know uh something like that happening like just like some co- sort of like just massive insect thing that happens once in a great while it's hugely disturbing and it's just more or less kind of like Something that you have to fight through, but is also kind of like I don't know, flavor of the uh, campaign itself.
1: You know, I, I think that I, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's also even now, I don't know if you ever heard of the the red rain in
0: India. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so to the best of my knowledge, I'm not quite sure what's causing it. Yeah. But let's say, you know, all of a sudden that um you know, there's, like, this red rain, and they're, they're in this village, and the village old person says, that this is the strange. The, the thing about the rain is that the 24 hours after that mm-hmm. is the, the, the rainbow, because, you know, rainbow is normally just this illusion, but the the rainbow call becomes solid, and you can actually travel and follow this rainbow to the leprechaun mm-hmm. and its pot of gold, you know.
0: Or and, fey, or course, who
1: knows, yeah. Yeah, of course, this leprechaun is cannibalistic leprechaun or something. Oh, right. Or also, yeah. Or, or, you know, that's a good point. What if, you know, what if when the fey or, or something breaks the to our dimension,
0: uh-huh.
1: the weather is a side effect. Hmm. You know, you've, yeah. got the evil, you've got the evil wind tradition, but all of a sudden it's a summery day and everything's frost-covered. Or, you know, the 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 wind seems to be blowing backwards from what it normally blows. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, the the weather could be this clue that the Fey is breaking
3: through.
0: Ooh. Uh. Wh- huh. So one one thing I was thinking of is like natural events happening with unnatural events. Con- uh happening alongside is like, say you have a powerful necromancer who is attacking a mountain fortress. Uh, The people who live in the mountain fortress are like, we're not gonna live, but we don't want the necromancer to get whatever holy relic is in this place. We're gonna turn it into a volcano. Mm -hmm. The volcano then goes down the mountain Mm -hmm. and wipes out the undead horde that's coming up the mountain to the holy site. Those ashes go up into the air and mix in the up, upper atmosphere, all that magic, all that stuff, and it rains down. And everywhere it hits, the dead rise. This totally accidental wild magic thing. You get return of the night of the living dead. You get brain-eating undead, skeletal zombies. Doesn't matter. Uh, just low-level undead everywhere. Anything that's like resembles like former living matter is now a shrambling mass uh it's It's just
1: sort of magical nuclear winner
0: yeah well and, and it would just be kind of like it wouldn't be like spread across the world or anything like that or then again who knows like if you think about the ashes of like mount saint helens like uh mount saint helens ashes were scattered everywhere or how far chernobyl like spread like not it wasn't always like maybe highest concentration but uh it's spread everywhere and that might be like the necromantic uh energies it's like where it happened of course you're gonna have like really high level undead but you know maybe like way far 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 away from the uh, epicenter of your volcano catastrophe you're just having like small things like not dying easily like a farmer like trying to chop the head off of a chicken but it just won't die or you know something along the lines of that Uh, and then like you know someone in your village is like being like go find out what's going on with this this is strange we don't want this getting worse like and then you find that as you go there's an epicenter and it's just like the only way to deal with it is just to deal with it who knows who knows I mean that's up for the dungeon master to figure out Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, you know, and I'm not. I, you know, I, I love um, George R. R. Martin. You know, his, <laughs> his, his science fiction stuff. I love the Wild Cards. I've never read, you know, Game of Thrones, but you know, isn't that the whole plot? Is it the weather? The world's changing. Yeah, the the winter's coming. Yeah, and what if we did the reverse? What if it, you know, what if because of magic or or something it global warming mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know the water's drying up so they they've, the they've got to go on to some sort of adventure because uh, to stop the, the this, this terrible you know planetary drought or something
0: yeah hmm. something that oh. I can steal totally from a video game right now and I'm trying to remember the name of the video game and people are going to shout, oh, it's that video game that has what's-his-name from that one show. And Polybius. What, what's that?
1: Polybius. Polybius. Polybius.
0: No. Um, it is something dead, dead something...
1: Uh... Uh, dead on arrival? <laughs> no, no. Uh, anyway,
0: what the concept is, a uh, core concept in this game, is uh, something's happened with rain, and when rain falls it causes a time dilation and causes things to age like anything that it hits it causes things to age and that's like plants earth people whatever and uh that would be kind of a messed up thing to happen in dungeons and dragons like a reversal like doesn't cause you to age forwards but causes things to like reverse backwards like that could Really mess up a suit of armor or leather, you know, metal or leather armor. <laughs> um, you know, it, an adventurer who, you know, and like, what if you lose level because you're reversing an age kind of stuff? I mean, I don't know. Just some thoughts there on that. Like,
1: you know, oh, um Richard uh, Matheson, who wrote, among other things, I Am Legend. Uh-huh. He wrote, I think it's called *Dance of the Dead*. Yeah, which they made into a a, like a classic horror, where the rain—it's acid rain—and it starts off with like a a little kid's birthday party, Mm -hmm. and and I think in the book it was like from nuclear war or something. But you know, the people that got in the house, they watch the the kids and the people outside just sort of dissolve mm-hmm. and so you've got like these zombie like uh, I mean it's a pretty complex story but you, you've got vampires and stuff that, uh, and stealing blood and affecting a brain but yeah you know it, it could be some sort of something like that sort of some sort of acid rain Ooh,
0: something something that just like popped into my brain is like what about something cosmic something on a cosmic level like something that happens to the whole planet that no one can like really know what's going on but like just causes everyone to have like a negative whatever to like sight or negative whatever to like sound like maybe there's some sort of like eclipse but also a weird hum that is like over the top of it or something or or like some kind of like foul wind that blows through that's i don't know like something that's like Light, sound—something that like affects everyone's senses at the same time. Uh, Maybe, maybe some sort of cosmic event that's like Night of the uh, Triffids. Night of the Triffids, where a bunch of people are blinded by the cosmic event. That everyone's like, "Oh, let's go outside and see this thing." Ah, I can't see. Oh no, I got attacked by a plant. Uh, If anyone hasn't seen the BBC's Night of the Triffids, it exists. Uh,
1: Uh, or or the 50s movie version.
0: Yes. Yes, yes. I was thinking of the 1970s, 1980s uh BBC production personally, but yeah. Uh uh um what other kind of I think uh when we were discussing this at one point in time, we talked about like slime brain or something like that, like a like you could you could do like acid rain and have it be like a slimy mist kind of thing or You could have it be like a a non-toxic, like just weird-colored slime that just makes it harder. Makes everything slippery. Yeah, makes it harder to like climb things, and I don't know. um, I don't know what 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 kind of uh, effect it would have out in the countryside, but it would probably make like moving around on cobblestone and steps uh, fairly difficult. Uh, Running across rooftops in your uh, thieves' city campaign almost impossible. I don't know. (laughs) maybe force you know some sort of like what weird weather that happens in a uh uh wild uh magic zone or something like that that forces your players to go into a cavern system or a cave or a house or a haunted mansion or something just just like it's like we don't know what this is but we need to get away from it and then you know they go into some place that's actually even worse and Maybe what would have happened by walking in this blue slime stuff, it just would have dyed their skin, armor, hair, equipment, blue. But instead, they yeah. ended up going into the lair of those 7 toned <laughs> devil beast of agathor As one does. As one does. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. And, and any other uh, weather ideas there, Dave?
1: Well, so there's one sort of, you know, there's always this sort of the idea, you know, flash flood or something. Mm-hmm. There is kind of a cantrip that prevents that now in 5e, and that is druidcraft. Ooh. And so one of the things of druidcraft is be able to predict the weather. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's less things that and say, like, a flash flood or a tornado or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can use that, too. So let's say you want to... I hate to use this word, railroad your party into a certain area, mm-hmm. but they've got a druid so that every day, you know, it's a cantrip, so just check the druid craft, check the weather. Well, you can kind of use that weather to sort of get them into the, you know, where the dungeon is. Or maybe if, you know, there's druids maybe they're gods or, you know, or the Gia spirit or whatever you do for druids, maybe it's using the weather to kind of guide them that, you know, especially if maybe the druids kind of figured it out. Well, you know, they, they, the the earth or, or the gods, they create strange weather just to, and the druid knows to follow it. Because that's one of the things, I mean, we've got to admit, there's all of a sudden, oh, look, we're doing our crops, and then all of a sudden there's a landslide or a tornado or a hurricane. I mean, hurricanes and, you know, storms, they're, they're scary now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But when you, you know, thousands of years ago, and it could change on, there was no real cause and effect that they could understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, weather became the realm of the gods. We see, you know, gods are throwing lightnings, bolts. You know, um, you know, God flooded the the earth in forty days. You know, so <clears throat> you can really sort of, you know, use that that the gods are are create are communicating their displeasure with a human being, and maybe you know the gods are sort of. So greater than us that they're almost like the Cthulhu mythos. They're insensitive yeah. to to us, so they cause all these storms. Not, I'll show those humans that I'm not happy with what they're doing, and it doesn't quite, you know, get to them that you know tragedy on this personal level mm-hmm. because we're like ants to them. So you know, you could do a whole quest of you know this terrible weather. And it keeps escalating and escalating, until you know you found the the, the six gears or you know the six holy relics or whatever. You can do a whole campaign, on and each each adventure the weather's getting bad, or even worse, till you gather the you know the six relics.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, that'd be cool. That that that'd be super cool. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave us on uh, one final concept. What if you had uh, like areas where you had like wild magnetism, like where magnetism was like reversed, like maybe not on a level that it'd be like, oh, my suit of armor is stuck to the ground. But it could be like, wait a minute, the birds are flying in the wrong direction. The goats are all facing the wrong way when they sleep. What's going on? (laughs) yeah like just you know messes with the magnetic like just like uh magnetic properties of stuff like messes with your compasses or any scientific equipment you may have or i don't
1: know yeah i think that's a great idea
0: and if it was in a modern campaign it would mess with all your electrical stuff real bad
1: yeah, absolutely oh yeah
0: all right well hey everyone thank you so much for listening to D on DD. i've been db and this has been farmer dave thank you so much for and, listening and stay well and stay dry
1: and don't get blue slime rain oh yeah
0: that stuff's the worst Hey, everyone, thank you so much for listening to D&D on d and I already said that part. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for listening to Radio Free Oleander, 1130 AM KZOM, Oleander, Oregon. Thank you so much again. Uh, you listening means so much to me and Dave here. Uh, you can check the show notes to find out more about what was on this show. Dave, what was that?
1: I was going to say. You can't see my face over the podcast, but I have my I'm happy you're listening face.
0: Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. But, yeah, you can rate, review, subscribe. Check the show notes to find out who is on the show and uh, how to follow us and how to support us. And that's pretty much uh, all we have to say. And rate, review, subscribe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I've said that like five times now.